Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Takeout ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? And his name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent... Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. This is The Takeout. For those of you who are new to the show, politics, policy, a little bit of pop culture... What are our ethos? Well, we're relentlessly curious and we're steadfastly nonpartisan. This is our eighth year of the show, and we get new folks who come along, and I want to explain what we're about every step of the way. We are coming to you from the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee office, and our guest is Bob Casey, Senator from Pennsylvania. Senator, good to see you. Major, good to be with you. Thank you. I want to explain something to the audience. Historically on the show, I have avoided having senators on during a re-election year. Senator Casey's running for re-election, but he's right in the middle of a lot of really important issues right now, and I wanted to have him on the show. David McCormick is the presumptive Republican nominee. If he wants to avail himself of this show during this calendar year, he's open to do so. And if the Senator and David McCormick want to bring us to Pennsylvania and use this show as a forum for a debate, I'm certainly open to that as well. Just want to make that clear. Senator Casey, I want to ask you about something. We're recording this on January 9th. As you well know, the Pentagon had a press conference this afternoon. It announced that the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin suffers from prostate cancer. That is one disclosure. But as you also know, and the country has been focused heavily on, he went in for a surgical procedure December 22nd. Then there were complications, hospitalized on January 1st, transferred his authorities to his deputy on January 2nd, 
Only on January 4th is the president and the national security advisor notified, and only on January 5th is the public notified. Are you satisfied with that course of events? Well, first of all, I want to wish him well. I know you do, yes. Difficult health challenge. I actually had it a year ago. And I will talk to you about that in a second. <laughs> in February. Yes. Um, so that's number one. Number two is I think that there's no question there wasn't the kind of transparency that anyone should should expect. That any everyone has a right to expect, both taxpayers and and uh, and the president, the, the national security advisor. But I think that leads to the third point, which might be might be uh, the most significant at all, and that's the chain of command. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that position, you're in a chain of command and also in succession to the presidency, uh, there has to be a lot more transparency. That's, that's paramount. Look, he took responsibility for this. Uh, apparently, there's some, some internal review that will be conducted. Right. But, but you know how that is. That's a Washington thing to give, us th- give, the, give who's ever in the, in the griddle 30 days in case we, so they can push, yeah. push it off. And so we're all focused on something else 30 days from now. But right now... I have friends asking me, and they don't ask me about every political story. They don't ask me about most political stories in Washington, but they're asking me, yeah. how could this be? Yeah. Does it, look, no one, should, no one should, uh, should say that this is acceptable. There's no, no, there's no way it, it's acceptable. Um, the question is what they do going forward and what, what kind of protocols they put in place to make sure this never happens again. I don't know all the details. I didn't, was, I didn't see the coverage today of all mm-hmm. the, of the press statement and the back and forth, but... I think it's you're it's not more, satisfied. No, I'm not satisfied with with what transpired. I, I can't I can't make an assessment of of the explanation today because I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a moment ago, and I want to ask you about this because you have personal experience. You notified the public yeah. in February of last year of a diagnosis of right. prostate cancer. First of all, how are you doing? Doing well. Yeah, I had a successful operation on Valentine's Day, 2023. I missed. Uh, 13 days of work and was voting on, I think, the 13th day. So. Okay. And uh, based on that experience, does that inform you in any way about what may or may not have happened with the defense secretary? I think everyone's situation is different, and I don't know enough about the, the medical. Were you advised of any possible repercussions of the procedure you had, your surgery? Well, repercussions in the sense that you, you some people might take longer. You might t- have a longer recovery period. I did, and I was fortunate. And that's, sometimes that's just... A lot of factors, including just luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, but the key thing going forward is you have to keep checking to make sure that you don't have any kind of spread or any kind of uh, other implications. And let's underscore that for the audience. How do you check? What's the process by a, which? A PSA test. Yeah. A very important thing. Critically important. And uh, for me, it was a, a, a learning moment or a teaching moment, depending on how you uh, describe it. But I think for a lot of men, it's just something that, that you've got to keep you know be, be aware of and get those tests and detect early right which you did in your case you're i did I gather I was, that from what what you I, released i was publicly. really fortunate that that um, had surgery um in, in a relatively short period of time i could have waited you, you you do have some time to wait but i had um surgery and a good surgical outcome and ever since then good reports but doesn't foreclose the possibility of something surfacing later there have been those, and I know this is a politicized topic, who have said that the defense secretary was derelict in his duty and therefore should resign. Do you share those sentiments? I don't think he should resign. But I think he's got a – he and his team, and I think his team has some has to bear some of the accountability here. They've got to do a much better job 
of informing the public when something like this happens and informing the White House and others in the administration so the chain of command is not in any way compromised. Mm -hmm. And in this particular set of circumstances with the war in Ukraine, hostilities in the Middle East, U.S. military personnel dealing with attacks in Iraq, Syria, Red Sea, having a defense secretary on point matters a lot. It, I think it heightens the urgency of having a protocol in place to provide that transparency. All right. One of the issues I want to talk to you about is the future of aid to Ukraine. I know you care about yeah. it deeply. What's the status? Well, we've got a supplemental bill that's um, ready to go, but for except the, uh, the negotiations on border policy. Um, I think it's noteworthy to point out that this isn't simply a Ukraine bill that will provide uh, something in the order of $61 billion for Ukraine, which is vitally important for not just the, the near term, but longer term. If it's, it's highly likely if this aid isn't provided that Vladimir Putin will prevail. And you don't have to just take my word for it to somebody in Washington, just ask uh, President Zelensky. Mm-hmm. He basically said that to us in two, two separate meetings we had with him in the Senate, one in December and one in September. So um, it's vital for Ukraine, but it's also, I think, vital for the free world. If, if we're going to allow uh, an invader a, like Putin, a murderous dictator, to go into another country, invade that country, take it over, well, he's not going to stop at Ukraine. But it also sends a, uh, the, the absolute wrong message to dictators around the world, including President Xi. So the stakes for democracy worldwide, the, states, the stakes for how we deal with these dictators. And European all, security. Absolutely. It's all on the line. And I think for Americans, is do you want to make an investment in a fighting force that has been highly successful and determined, or do you want to fight a larger war that will involve a lot more money and a lot more American forces? I don't think anyone wants to fight a war in Europe. And that's what you're looking at if you abandon Ukraine. Where are the immigration talks, as you understand it? Seems like they've made a lot of good progress. It's taken weeks, but they're not there yet. I, I'm not. I don't have a sense today that they have any any text yet, mm-hmm. uh, and that's obviously uh, essential. But my sense is that there's there's been a lot of good work done um, in these talks, and I think it's important to point out in this bill. Obviously, you'll have the the Ukraine aid. There'll be a lot of support for Israel to destroy mm-hmm. Hamas, a lot of humanitarian support for both Ukraine and Israel and other places around the world. I think what was missed on the first round is because there's so much focus on the border policy, what, what are, where will the line be drawn on asylum policy? What, what will be the, the mechanics of that, for example? Um, the funding for the border, the extra funding, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, something in the order of $14 billion, is a lot of money for hiring 1,300 Border Patrol agents, a lot of DEA agents, a lot of other border personnel to strengthen border security because we've got a terrible crisis there. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, new screening technology to stop fentanyl, right. to detect and then stop fentanyl, which has, um, I think, been kind of lost in the in the debate, but it's going to be critically important to a state like mine where we have a terrible fentanyl problem in some of our counties, a lot of them very small rural counties. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to uh, Senator Bob Casey about what the Speaker of the House Mike Johnson said about the border policy debate. When we come back. I'm Major Garrett, segment two of the takeout. In just one second. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to The Takeout. Senator Bob Casey, Democrat of Pennsylvania, is our guest. Continuing our conversation on Face the Nation earlier this week, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson said, it's very simple. These are his words, not mine. I can't explain, and my Republican members have a very hard time explaining to their constituents why there needs to be more money for Ukraine when there's not enough policy to stop what he described as an invasion on the southern border. What is your answer to that? Well, first of all, the two radically different issues. <laughs> the, the fight in Ukraine is about stopping a murderous dictator from taking over a country. So we should debate that. If someone doesn't want to support that funding, that's fine. But I think you have to separate that from what's happening at the border. Um, there is no question that that we have to engage and in, in, in come to conclusion on these border policy um, negotiations. But also, we have to vote for the money, the the funding, to hire more people at the border. You can't you can't have border security without investment. Right. But Speaker Johnson and, said specifically to that point. Right. I'm not putting more money into a bad policy. Those yeah. are his words. Right. So money is not an inducement for the speaker, or it sounds many of his Republican Well, apparently colleagues. not, because the, <laughs> the Republicans in the Congress, both House and Senate, mostly House, by the way, um, in 2022 voted to defund the border. I don't know if not many people know that, because they, they uh, defund the border uh, protection, border security, because in 2022 we had an appropriations vote at the end of the year, December, in the Senate I think it was December 22nd. Republicans voted against that. Eighty-seven percent of them in the Congress voted against it. So thereby voted to 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 nullify or to to zero out all the money for ICE, uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement, all the money for Border Patrol, zero. So they had a chance to vote for, you know, north of twenty-five billion dollars in border security. They voted to defund it. In twenty-three, when the when our side put money on the table for more technology to stop fentanyl, more border patrol hirings, more DEA agents. They blocked it. The Republicans blocked it. The question is, contrary to 22 and 23, in 24 Republicans in the Congress get serious about border security and vote for the funding. And I'm, I'm anxious to see what they'll do. In a political year, do you think that's possible? Or do you think they I want think the it, issue? I think it's possible. I think a lot of them just want the issue, yeah. And, and uh, because look, like a lot of difficult challenges, you, you can you can talk in sound bites, you can you can point fingers, but if you want to solve the problem, you got to roll up your sleeves, like like these negotiators are doing. I give a lot of credit to Republican Senate negotiators, James Senator Langford is leading that, Senator Murphy, Senator Cinema on our side, they have worked 
for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Mm-hmm. And so they're engaging in the, the hard work of figuring out that policy. But the hard work also involves voting for the dollars to be able to secure the border. And it's, it's, not, it's, it's border security for a lot of politicians is, is hot air and tough talk. You've got to vote for the money. If you're serious about it's like law enforcement. If you're serious about law enforcement, you got to fund it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they will help that they will fund the Was it a tactical mistake for the White House to link these Ukraine, Israel and the border? I don't think so. I think they're all vitally important. And around here it is very difficult to pass. People would say, "Okay, why don't you just fund Ukraine and then have a vote on Israel funding and all that?" That was um I, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but for days long ago, you can't do When you have a moment where you can get a lot done, in this case we can get a lot done for Ukraine, for Israel to stop Hamas, for humanitarian support, and for border policy and border funding, I think it's a moment where you had to do it in one bill. Speaking of Israel, Senator Casey, describe your level of discomfort about the civilian casualties in Gaza. I think it's like any human being. It's very very high. There's no question that that that... that horrific loss of life is troubling to everyone. On this program, about a month ago, a colleague of yours, the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, Jack Reed, said it was an open question whether Israel had committed war crimes. Do you agree? Well, I, look, th- those those questions are going to be asked, and we'll we'll you know someone will, there'll be inquiries about that. But I think right now we have to concentrate, as as I have tried to do, on getting Israel the help it needs, the continual help, in addition to what we've already done, to do everything possible to destroy Hamas because I think what the narrative on all of this the last couple of months has been well there was this horrific event on October the 7th the worst day for the state of Israel since the Holocaust more than 1200 people killed Uh, I saw the video and many of us did did in the Senate and some little by little more Americans are seeing it but the compilation of videos that were put together about an hour's worth and we only saw about 10% of what they could have shown us but Savage stuff. Oh my God! The, the 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 savagery, the brutality, the depravity is probably the best word, because it wasn't simply these ter- Hamas terrorists going into a kibbutz and and indiscriminately shooting every person they saw, but but it was after they they killed someone over and over again, they would they would keep screaming epithets and and use the word dog over and over and over again against people who are lying on a floor dead and bleeding. Um, that kind of depravity is, in my this is my view, it's different than some of the terrorism we've seen uh, over the last generation. There's no question that when a terrorist or a terrorist organization attacks a people or, or, or sets off an explosion that kills a lot of people and, and injures a lot of people, like ISIS did in, mm-hmm. in Iran recently, there's no question they, they, they take that action to, in fact, because that's the word they they try to terrorize right. a people. This kind of terrorism that Hamas is engaged in, I think, in, in some ways, is different, and in, in 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 some ways, maybe more threatening, because they're trying to wipe out a people, the Jewish people. They're not simply trying to terrorize the state of Israel, mm-hmm. or terrorize a kibbutz, or terrorize a neighborhood, mm-hmm. or have one strike. They they've continued to attack, uh, have rocket fire over and over again these last number of weeks months now they've also um, directly engaged in um, using rape as a as a as a as a weapon of, of terror 
Thirdly, they've, they've said over and over and over again, they want to have more October 7th. So this idea that the threat manifested itself on October the 7th and then receded, and then everything since then has been an Israeli response, is really faulty, I think. This is an ongoing, clear, and present danger to the people of Israel. And unless you remove that threat as best you can, disable it, uh, or, or badly undermine it, that threat's going to remain on their, on their border. So I think that has, to be our, that has to be our continual focus in helping Israel do that. Has Israel, to your satisfaction, Senator Casey, done everything it can to avoid unnecessary civilian casualties? I've seen I've seen no evidence um, on the record when when that that Israel has has not taken a series of steps to avoid civilian casualties, sending out warnings whether it's texts or leaflets, giving warnings ahead of time, even giving Hamas a heads up in a sense by warning civilians. Number two, embedded within IDF units are uh, lawyers and and others who are making who are making determinations in real time about whether this particular strike, uh, what will happen if this particular mm-hmm. strike goes forward. Now, we had some colleagues report on this who were traveling in, the, in uh, Israel recently and got a, a more extensive briefing on this. So I think, look, they're trying to do everything they can, but the problem here is it's not the usual war setting, and everyone wants to simplify it, but this ain't simple. <laughs> Where you have a, a fighting force over here and the civilian popu- population over there, which is true in a lot of conflicts, or there is, degree, there is often a degree of separation, which there isn't here. You have a terrorist organization that had committed one of the worst acts of terror in human history on, on one day who continually embed themselves with their own people, use their own people as shields. Now from some of the, some of the reporting that they're using the hostages as shields. So you have, a, you, have a, you have a terribly complex circumstance where the Israelis can't just say, oh, well, um, it's 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 a difficult circumstance, so we'll just wait for them to come out of hiding. They have to continue to prosecute. I think um, this this effort to destroy Hamas, and it is much more difficult than I think anything we faced in similar circumstances in terms of uh, urban conflict. That is the voice of Senator Bob Casey, Democrat of Pennsylvania. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about. The difficulties the Israeli conflict with Hamas has created within the Democratic Party and some of the sense of outrage that particularly young Democrats feel about the course of this conflict thus far. I'm Major Garrett. Segment three of The Takeout. Just one moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back to Takeout. Senator Bob Casey, Democrat, Pennsylvania, is our guest. As you know, Senator Casey, you may have gotten calls on this directly. You may have had people engage with you directly. The words genocide are thrown around. There's a sense of disproportionateness uh, with the Israelis. The Palestinians are getting ground up in this war. What do you say to constituents of yours, Democrats, who are enraged by this? Well, I guess part of what I would say is... I don't think I'm mischaracterizing it. No, look, it's created a lot of divisions in the country. There's no question about it, in our country. But part of what I would say uh, to this question is what I just said before Mm -hmm. about the the complexity of taking out a terrorist organization, disabling it, mm-hmm. um, to as, as far an extent as possible to, to take it out of existence. Um, and w- when you're doing that, it's it's terribly difficult to 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 prosecute that and not have when you're in the middle of a war um, civilian casualties. Is I it- think, I, and, but I, I do think that that. Um, it's important for us to have debate about this. It's important for us to debate um, what, what's happening going forward. But um, this is a, that's a, it's an exceedingly complex, difficult circumstance. And I think, I think in some of the, the, the back and forth in, on social media and otherwise, it's, it's unfortunately badly simplified. Would it be helpful if the Netanyahu government in Israel were to make it clear that it supported a two-state solution, that it would be less aggressive with settlements, let's say, for example, in the West Bank, and members of his cabinet wouldn't say such inflammatory things about future intentions? There's no question that some comments by his cabinet have, have made things worse. There's no question about that. Secondly, you cannot abide that kind of West Bank uh, settlement. It's it's critically important for the Israeli government. When someone engages in violence, they have to be prosecuted. There has to be a consequence to that. And the um, uh, when when the Israeli government has in, has been been more forward leaning on that, you've seen some of the violence recede. So that's critically important. And then finally, on I, I'm I've been have been and will always always will be a, a supporter of the two state solution. What other choice is there? And there's just no other way to to move forward. Now, I don't think that there's any consensus yet about what would be the governing authority in in Gaza. No. And that's that's yet to be determined, but But it has to be a post Hamas Gaza. From no, your it perspective. has to be. Has to be. Yeah. And by the way, um, a, a lot of the the uh, Arab nations in the Middle East who publicly complain about uh, what Israel's doing, publicly uh, claim to support the Palestinian pe- people, um, haven't done much over the last 50 years. In my judgment, they won't like me saying this, but they haven't done much over the last 50 years to help the people of Gaza, number one. And number two, you know, behind the scenes, behind closed doors, when they're talking to their Israeli counterparts or their American counterparts or their European counterparts, they're all saying, please take out Hamas. And I'm not quoting one individual, but I mean, that's the tenor of it. You take out Hamas, Israel, and yet we're going to still we're going to still going to complain about you publicly. So I think the the uh, the objective of one having, of the difficulties of the region you don't know yeah. you don't know what people are really meaning when they yeah. say things publicly and what but, their motives actually are. But it's always it's, been difficult. It's a secondary but important reason that, that Hamas can't be uh, the the governing party in in uh, or or have disproportionate power in Gaza because. If if you, it's not only the, the the primary reason, which is the threat to Israel, but secondarily, 
if Hamas remains in in uh, control, you're sti- you're going to have this this persist for years where the Arab nations aren't going to be much aren't going to help them very much. One of the regional interlocutors with the United States is Egypt. Let me bring up a uh, somewhat uncomfortable subject. One of your colleagues, Senator Menendez, has been accused in several indictments, some superseding indictments which have enlarged the charges, of acting collaboratively with the Egyptian government against U.S. federal law. Your colleague from Pennsylvania, Senator Fetterman, has said he should be expelled, should be out of the Senate. What is your opinion on Senator Menendez? Well, I was very clear. I thought he should resign. And I I was deeply troubled by that indictment. Um, In some ways, more deeply troubled by uh, some parts of it that didn't get much publicity. Such as? Well, I I thought the allegations about, uh, about, and they are allegations, but when you read the specificity of the allegations about talking to um, a prosecutor or having those kinds of conversations, that's just totally inappropriate. Um, and and the Senate, there, there may be at some point a, a resolution. I'd have to take a look at it when it's presented to the Senate. But why shouldn't there be, or why hasn't there been one to date? I don't know. I can't answer that in terms of the the mechanics of it. But but I will say this: uh, New Jersey has a Senate election this year. Uh, they have a primary, I guess, in June, mm-hmm. and then a general election. And voters in that state are going to make a determination. But I was hoping that that Senator Menendez would have resigned after the indictment for a couple of reasons. One is because of the nature and the specificity of that indictment. Uh, but secondly, because uh, it's, um, I think it makes it very difficult to represent a state when, when you've got those kind of charges. He chose not to do that. That's his, that's his decision. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about things that are uh, percolating at the uh, federal court level regarding the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. There's been questions raised about whether or not he should be on primary or general election ballots in regards to the 14th Amendment, specifically Clause 3 of the 14th Amendment. Do you have an opinion on that? I'm not a constitutional scholar. Neither am I. Although I do have a law degree. <laughs> Practice law. One for up a on while. me. I don't even have a law degree, though after the last six so. years, I think I've qualified for one. Depending on, I think about all the reading I've done. So anyway. far, far be it for me to do a constitutional exegesis. But, but other um, senators have weighed in on this. Yeah, but the question, I think the, the, the broader question that, that most people have an opinion on is should, should a court uh, take a presidential candidate off a ballot by, mm-hmm. by virtue of its decision, whether it's a, an appeal to the, to the Supreme Court ultimately or to any other court? And I think that the, the bar on that is very, very high. And I think whenever, so I, I think for as much as you can make a strong, maybe you can make, maybe the constitutional scholars can make a strong constitutional case that trump should be removed yeah that they, i mean there's a there's an argument there um constitutionally but um but i do think it's a um it's a uh, a difficult question for democracy when you're having when you have someone who's who's tr- seeking a public office especially the the presidency and they're going to be on virtually every other state ballot um should a court start knocking them off individual state ballots? If I hear you correctly, Senator Casey, what I think I hear you saying is this would create disturbances or 
unfamiliarity or upset within the country, and it shouldn't happen. Courts shouldn't do I'd, I'd this. I'd be concerned about that. I think second, you know, an, an ancillary reason is that it does give this candidate who, who thrives on grievance <laughs> another reason to say the, you know, the it, it gives him a narrative that, that I think uh, we shouldn't grant him. Was January 6th, 2021, in your mind, Senator Casey, an insurrection? I think it was, yeah. Okay. Was does that make the former president by your light an insurrectionist? Look, I think he is just based upon the he record. Is. I think he is, but but it's it is another question whether or not legally constitutionally. Mhm. I mean that's that's a whole other inquiry than but I think just generally I think he he fomented it and he he uh, participated and then participated that day in the uh, in calling for the storming of the capitol but but then had plenty of chances hour after hour to call it off and didn't what are your memories of that day your starkest sitting, memory yes yeah, sit, sitting in the senate and and hearing some kind of disturbance outside initially thinking that it was something minor and then as the the noise level went up still thinking it was it was not a a threat but it it sounded like some some people had gotten into the Capitol and and it was some kind of disturbance. But I thought it was very limited. Then when I saw in the I sit in a, in, a, in the back row, uh, Senator Brown is next to me, and right next to him is the aisle. So ten feet from me is the aisle. In that aisle was a, a law enforcement official with an automatic weapon. I can't remember mm-hmm. whether it was Capitol Police. I think it probably was with an automatic weapon, then I thought, well, that's something I've never seen on the Senate floor. This must be worse than I thought. Let me stop you right there because we need to go to break. That is the voice of Senator Bob Casey. Back for second four. Just one second. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Takeout. Continuing our conversation with Senator Bob Casey, Democrat of Pennsylvania. Continue your thoughts on that day, January 6, 2021. You see a law enforcement... Yeah. member with a long gun right outside was it inside the chamber in the or chamber in the in chamber, chamber okay yeah. Yeah. and then uh, i'll try to shorten this but you know they secured the the perimeter of the uh, senate chamber and i thought okay well then this this disturbance will be quelled and we'll go back to the the business at hand um we waited for a little while it seemed like a long time but it wasn't probably only minutes where they were at one point someone some security official grabbed the microphone and said we have to get out right now so then he had every person in that chamber not just 100 or 96 whatever the number of senators were in the room at that point 
but also staff who had come in and law enforcement, so much bigger group of people getting through what I remember to be just one door, two you know, swinging doors, mm-hmm. just one, one way of leaving. At that moment, I felt something could happen to us at that moment. I don't know why, it just occurred to me that we're in some kind of danger now. I didn't know what it was. And then we were taken to a secure room and we were there for hours. But, um, but a lot of the detail of what was happening in the hallway, um, I didn't learn about really in detail until the impeachment mm-hmm. um, videos and other evidence. I wanna, I'm glad you mentioned impeachment because something happened today. Again, we're recording this January 9th. So today, there was a hearing of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals about presidential immunity. Right. Now, I remember, and I'm sure you do, Senator Casey, that during the impeachment trial in the Senate of former President Trump, his defense counsel said, hey, you don't need to vote for impeachment because there is a criminal process by which oh, right. the yeah. President of the United States can be judged. Today, January 9th, Different attorneys went before a three-judge panel and said, because the president wasn't convicted in the Senate trial, you can't consider any criminal charges against him. Can you square that circle for me? Uh, I don't think I can. (laughs) What does it tell you? Well, look, when you consider what what this court is trying to determine, um, I think it does come down to a basic question of accountability. I mean... You're either going to have some degree of accountability for what happened that day or not, and a lot of folks out there are undergoing prosecution. And the question is, I think for a lot of people, is will there be a measure of accountability that is imposed upon the former president or not? Do you want absolute presidential immunity for any president, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or anyone else? I don't think that's. I don't think that makes sense. Because of the the nature of our, you're system. certain it doesn't make sense, right? Certain it makes it doesn't make sense because the nature of our system is one where every public official, to some degree, uh, at some point, is going to be held accountable either during an election or because they've violated the law and there's a prosecution. So, um, it's it's I, I just think it's 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 a basic tenet of our system that there has to be accountability. And I'm sure you recall the words of the Senate. Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who said the former president yeah. is practically and morally responsible. I remember those words. Yeah. And can be held to account civilly or criminally. Right, right. And here we are. Can Joe Biden win Pennsylvania? I think he can. I think he will. But it'll be close, as it was last time, 1.2%. To those who are gnashing their teeth and feeling very fretful, what do you say? about the president's re-election campaign? Well, I, look, I think it applies to, to my campaign as well, if you don't mind me uh, talking about that. Um, often in, in a campaign dynamic, people don't have a, a detailed sense of what you've been working on and what you've done until you, you can advertise. And that's going to be true of, of the president. I think it'll be true in my race as well. Um, we live in a in a society now where it's much harder to 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 land or transmit that information, even though there's people have access to more information about what happens in Washington. There's just a lot coming in front of people. They've they've lived through a terrible pandemic, uh, a rough economy in the aftermath of the pandemic. Um, our our society is divided badly, and I think people are often tuned out to politics. Now, I do think. 
as time goes by, people are paying closer attention, number one, to, to the debates and who did what and, and, and you know, what, your, what your work is if you're, if you're running like I am. And then secondly, you get the benefit of advertising where you can, you can make a point. And I think after that happens, um, when people have all the information in front of them, um, I think I'll win my race. I think the president will win Pennsylvania. Earlier on Face the Nation, the Speaker of the House, again, Mike Johnson, said it was irresponsible and nonsense to call him an election denier because he signed on to an amicus brief filed by many House Republicans about a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas that specifically mentioned Pennsylvania as an unconstitutionally derelict state in the 2020 election. Since you represent Pennsylvania, I'd like you to address that lawsuit and what the Speaker said. Well, I think, look, I've heard this argument for years, both in the context of the legal filings, but just... I mean, it played out on January the 6th. Senator Hawley mm-hmm. uh, introduced the, um, the measure that would, that would uh, the challenge Pennsylvania's uh, vote. Sought to disenfranchise every single Pennsylvanian exactly. who cast a ballot, Trump yeah. or Biden. Exactly. And it was insulting. It was, it was erroneous. Um, it was all based upon a lie. There was, there was nothing in Pennsylvania that was inappropriate about that election. We had, we had a a record turnout, the highest presidential turnout in the history of our state, um, a, a dramatic increase in voting from 2016 to, to uh, 2020. I think it was more than an 800,000 vote increase in the middle of a pandemic because we had, thankfully, a, a, a mail-in ballot law in effect. And it that worked. predated the pandemic, by right. the way. It passed in People 20, forget that. People gloss over yeah, that. Yeah, passed in 2019. And it was being implemented in, in real time in a presidential race. And it worked pretty much flawlessly to get not just enough people to make sure they could have their right to vote with a ballot or in person or, um, or voting, you know, voting on Election Day. Some could vote early. But it was in the middle of a pandemic, and it, and it worked. <laughs> and they just didn't like the results, so they, they make, up, make up lies about how it transpired in our state. By your lights is Speaker Johnson because he signed on to that amicus brief, an election denier? Oh, I, th- I think that an- anyone who signs a brief like that is, is an election denier. We had, we had members of our delegation. Yes. Every Republican member of Congress from Pennsylvania who was elected in 2020. On that ballot. On that same ballot. Through those procedures. Same procedures. <laughs> who, who then tried to, you know, deny or disenfranchise all those voters, I think, by definition, they're election deniers. I mean, there's just no question about it. We've got about 30 seconds to go. I want to ask you about Dean Phillips. He's running against the president, but he says the president and the DNC are anti-democratic because they're trying to remove him from various primary ballots. Address that. I don't, I don't know the mechanics of that. Um, but when you when you seek public office, there's ballot requirements that you got to comply with, and if he's complied with them, I'm sure he'll be he'll be in good shape. But I don't I don't know the the details of, of what he's alleging. That is the voice of Senator Bob Casey, Democrat of Pennsylvania. Stay tuned for your takeout outtake special. We'll see you next week, folks. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. 
Bite Clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to your takeout outtake especial. Senator Bob Casey, Democrat of Pennsylvania, is our special guest. All right, I'm going to ease up a little bit here, Senator. Uh, three threshold questions we ask everyone on the show. So uh, take them in whichever order you appear, right. you, you prefer, rather. Yeah. Um, most influential book in your life and why? All-time favorite movie or one of your favorite movies? And if you're driving across the beautiful Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and you're really going to enjoy some music... What artist or genre is that most likely to be? <laughs> I think uh, I'll go backwards. Springsteen. Most people do. Oh, Springsteen. Springsteen. Another Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I don't know if I'm showing, showing my age of 63. Right? Um, but I have to say, Taylor Swift, a Pennsylvanian, is okay. a remarkable artist. Mm-hmm. Um, Those secondly, are very safe picks in a re-election yeah, year, yeah. Senator. Springsteen and Taylor <laughs> Swift. Okay. Very there's, edgy. There's some popularity there. <laughs> I think the the movie that had the most impact on me. There are a lot of good ones, obviously, but and I I'm, I don't see enough movies. But the one that had the most impact on me, I don't know why, for different reasons, was uh, Gladiator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't watched it repeatedly, but I think I've seen it twice, maybe you know, maybe only twice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Perseverance, betrayal, revenge, all those yeah. great human it's humanistic themes. Very, a very religious movie mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. about the afterlife and it's interesting i just thought thought it was very moving but um and then the book oh the book the one that was most i I, I always start with lincoln but i think it's a tie between a couple of lincoln books and the uh, david mccullough book on truman which i Mm -hmm. thought was that should be required reading it should be yeah um the truman book by david mccullough I think is his best. I've read many David McCullough books, yeah. but I don't think there was any subject that have he... Have you read the Johnstown Flood book? Yes, have I you? have. Have Actually, you really? Have. Wow. Yes. And the building of the Brooklyn Bridge. Wow, you're way ahead. And the Panama yeah. Canal. Uh-huh. I'm a big McCullough yeah. fan, but I don't think there's anyone that he fell in love with more than Harry Truman. Yeah. You can find... And he's, it's not that he's not critical. He is. But you just know and you can feel... Yeah he found something in Truman that was deeply resonant, and the, and the book just is beautiful. Yep. It's impossible to not keep reading. The April the 12th, 1945 segment, where, where he pieces together through letters that Truman's writing from the, when he's presiding in the Senate, mm-hmm. and uh, learning about Roosevelt's death, and, and then what, what he was experiencing, knowing he was gonna be sworn in, and that's just fascinating. That is the voice of probably the second best-known Democrat to grow up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Bob Casey. <laughs> Senator, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate the time. Major thanks. Thanks appreciate so much. We'll see you next week, folks. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, 
and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.